everybody. Welcome to the X Point. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I'm very excited for y'all to hear us discuss Money in the Bank later on in the show, as well as some interesting wrestling hot takes from myself, Ethan, and Embryo, aka Chris Waters. But you're back in the wrestling, so how so far since you've gotten back into wrestling, what have if you had to name your favorite match, what would it be? Oh, it's easy. The triple threat um, at WrestleMania with Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and Sheamus. That was a banger. That's definitely was one of my favorite matches on the card. Probably, I don't know if I say it's my favorite men's match of the year, but it's definitely in my top five at worst because it has been some banger of matches that we got in this year. And we got a banger show for you guys today. We are going to talk about the recent NFL suspensions as well as the latest comments about Colin Kaepernick and his workout with the Las Vegas Raiders. Did he not get signed because of bias or because maybe his performance was not all it was cracked up to be? Also with the NBA, we are going to do an NBA free agency breakdown as well as talk about the possible trade destinations for James Harden and finally Damian Lillard. And like I said, we're going to close things out with our Money in the Bank recap. But before we get to any of that, please share and check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get this bad boy started looking at those NFL suspensions. Last week, early in the week, there was a lot of speculations that Roger Goodell and the NFL were going to dish out some of those suspensions, and it became official last week, starting with offensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans, Nicholas Petit-Faree. He is suspended for the first six games of the season. In a statement, he mentioned that he was not betting on NFL games. He just happened to place his bets at the NFL facilities, which is still a no-no by the league. Um, Harder suspensions were dished out to Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry of the Indianapolis Colts, as well as free agent Demetrius Taylor, who've all been suspended throughout the rest of the season for betting on NFL games. And both Berry and Rogers have been cut by the Colts. Kind of looking at the suspension, I know that it's one of those things because we literally just kind of talked about it with fireworks. Everybody knows you're not supposed to do it, but a lot of people have questions about these season-long suspensions, questioning why guys like Deshaun Watson didn't get season-long suspensions for what he did or guys who've done worse stuff. So where do you stand on it? Do you think season-long suspensions are fair? For gambling, I mean. Uh, 100% no. Um, like, in my opinion... As an NFL player, no, you should not gamble on other NFL games. But I don't think it warrants a, a full a full year suspension. Like you just stated, Deshaun Watson did farther, way worse of things than gambling. Um, I can't remember what Ray Rice got, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a full year. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I remember this very well. At the time, he only got two games. And then the video came out, and then Baltimore released them. But I remember everybody was pissed it was only two games. So, yeah, you're giving the man that, that domestically abused his wife two games, but you're giving dudes that all they did was just press Spence, put some of their money that they earned by playing in the NFL on the bet, and you get them a year. 
And I again, I'm one of those people. Even in the wider scope of things, like yes, I don't think you should bet on NFL games if you're an NFL player. But in the case of the guy that got suspended from the Titans, if he honestly and truly didn't bet on the NFL game, he shouldn't be suspended at all. Because in my opinion, it's very hypocritical. Because one of the biggest supporters of the NFL is DraftKings, right. and that's a betting app. Yeah, I think it is hypocritical. Um, the only, I'll say this, I don't think you should bet on your own team. I think if you are betting on your own team, then I think, especially if you're doing it on multiple occasions, I think that warrants a season-long suspension because then that does kind of call it to the integrity of the game. And it's like, well, dang, did you miss this player? Did you drop this ball because you want to win this bet? And so in that case, I think it is an issue. But other than that, I don't think there needs to be season-long suspensions for gambling because, like you said, the NFL is making so much money with DraftKings and sports books and other betting platforms, so it does feel a bit hypocritical. But, I mean, it does kind of suck um, for the players, especially, like, uh, the tackle for the Titans because, I mean, he's a young guy. I think this might be either his second or third season. He's still very early in his career, so hopefully this doesn't derail it. But, yeah, I don't think it's a good look. But all right, let's go ahead and look around the rest of the NFL for some signings, starting with the uh, Los Angeles Rams, former cornerback for both the 49ers, Seahawks, and most recently, Pittsburgh Steelers has signed with the Rams, Akello Witherspoon, on a one-year deal. And the Patriots made a wide receiver move, but maybe not for the wideout everyone expected. They extended wide receiver Devontae Parker on a three-year, $33 million deal. Ethan, do you feel like this move will hurt their chances of signing DeAndre Hopkins? No, I don't think it's going to hurt their chances. I think it might be a move that they made because they already know um, they already know the outcome, and they know that he won't be joining New England. He just hasn't been announced yet. It's weird because some instances I've heard they're doing it to kind of get some cap relief or possibly a deal to DeAndre Hopkins, but on the other hand, it's like, Let's be honest, I forget all the time Devontae Parker plays for the Patriots, and I know I'm not the only one. And I forgot he was in the uh, That too. And so, honestly, it's not a move I would have made, but like you said, maybe they see something or seen something with him over the past few offseasons to make them confident enough to give him this deal to where maybe they expect him to take on a bigger role so they don't exactly need to pursue a DeAndre Hopkins because maybe they know he's planning on going somewhere else honestly aside from visits with the Patriots and the um Titans I haven't heard anything about D-Hop and I understand he's not in a major rush to sign anywhere which is fair but it's like you would think he would at least have gone on more visits by now because it's been what two weeks since he went to New England yeah so it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. But, I mean, both the Titans and Patriots are both really wide receiver needy teams. But personally, I would like to see D-Hop on better teams because I don't think either of them are going to be making the playoffs this year. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on. We're going to get in the time machine and take things back six years to 2017. Before Tom Brady won his, what, what was that, his sixth ring when he beat the Rams, before he ended up taking his talents to Tampa Bay, winning the Super Bowl there. There was a lot of speculation that he was going to head to L.A., or at least California, but for a different team. Reportedly, 
But Tom Brady almost forced a shocking trade to the Chargers or Rams after the 2017 season. This trade was after the Patriots had traded Jimmy G, and here's what it would have looked like if Brady forced it. So the Patriots would have received Phillip Rivers, a first-round pick in 2018, which wound up being Derwin James, um, a fourth-round pick, which wound up being linebacker Kaiser White, and a seventh-round pick, which wound up being Cortez Broughton and wide receiver Dontrell Inman. In return, the Chargers would have received quarterback Tom Brady and a 2019 fourth-round pick. Uh, reportedly, the only reason why this did not go through was because Brady didn't totally force it with owner Roger Kraft and didn't express that he was unhappy. So, kind of looking things back from hindsight to the landscape of both the Patriots and the Chargers at this where they were then. Do you think the Patriots and Chargers made a mistake not pulling the trigger? Uh, I think the Chargers did. The Patriots obviously didn't because they got another ring out of them. Yeah. I I definitely don't think the Chargers, I mean, the uh, Patriots made a mistake. And I don't totally think that the Chargers made a mistake either. Because if you look at what they got in return, Kaiser White was a really good linebacker for them. Obviously, Derwin James is one of the best safeties in the league. And, yes, Phillip Rivers was kind of on his last legs. But imagine if they would have traded for Tom Brady. Do you still draft Justin Herbert? Are you still kind of working towards your future? And I don't think that you're able to do that by taking Tom Brady. So, sure, Tom Brady seemed like an A-list wonder and could have played forever. But I think that had he been drafted there in 2017, three years from now, they're probably not going to have that top six pick, which allowed them to take Justin Herbert and kind of have them in the position that they're in now. So I think that it worked out for both sides that the trade did not go through. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to Colin Kaepernick news. For those of you who may or may not remember, a few months ago, he worked out for the Las Vegas Raiders. But as you can guess, he did not end up getting signed. Um, recently, he talked to Sports Illustrated about that experience and said, I've heard a lot of excuses over the years, but the most of the time it ends up, oh, we're going to see how the guys that we're going to see how the guys that we have do. With the Raiders situation last year, that was Stidham and Nick Mullins, which to me, you just compare resumes, capabilities on top of workout and it's in the feedback. It's like, okay, cool. Obviously, there's something else within this decision. To me, that's typically what it ends up being or has been for the last seven years. So I just want the opportunity to come in, show what I can do on the field, judge me based on that, not the political bias that you have. So even nobody... Uh, Nobody really saw the workout because obviously it was a private workout. But what do you think? Do you think the Raiders ended up signing, not signing him because of his performance? Or do you think it really was the political bias? I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, again, whenever we talked about Colin Kaepernick, we, mentioned, we brought it up several times that he hasn't been in the NFL game and going on, what, now seven, at that point, six years? Yeah. And to me, it's just one of those things to where it's like, honestly and truthfully, you can't think that, like, you're going to be a guy that hasn't been on the NFL field in numerous years and then just come back and be able to come back and kind of perform to the level that you, or even close to the level that you used to perform at. Like, I mean... Looking at it from a different standpoint, let's look at Deshaun Watson. Granted, 
his situation is completely different. But he took he didn't play for a year and with the Texans and then he didn't play for what the first twelve games? Yeah. And then when he got on the field, he didn't look like the same player that he was like like a year and a half ago. And you look at it from the case of Colin Kaepernick is like, hey, you haven't played a down of NFL football in six years. And it's one of those things to where it's like, you can look good in the workout, but I wouldn't necessarily trust you on the field because you haven't been on the field in a long time. Yeah. And honestly, not to say that there weren't some political things involved, but I think it's more so just a performance, especially as a quarterback. Like you have not, I understand you working out multiple times a week and you staying in shape, but there's a big difference between being in shape and being in playing shape. And if you haven't played in six, seven years, there's no way that you can realistically be in playing shape. And so because of that, yes, I get it. Derek Carr had been benched at this point. Jared Stidham and Nick Mullins were the Raiders quarterbacks. It's not like they were expecting to win anything anyway. Best bet they were going to get a top 10 pick, which they ended up getting. And so I don't really think bringing in Colin Kaepernick and taking a flyer on him, regardless of politics, would have made them any better. And so, because you got to look at it, he hasn't played in a while. His best attribute was his versatility. He had a strong arm, but also he could move around a lot. He was very fast, had big strides. Defenders are bigger and faster than where they were several years ago when Colin Kaepernick was in his prime. And so you're telling me he's going to be able to outrun guys like a uh, Khalil Mack, for example, at the time, a Pat Sertan, like just looking, a Chris Jones even. I just think that looking at that division and looking at where the team stood, like it did not make sense to bring him in. And while I respect him for continuing to try, nobody's going to do it. Like you mentioned Deshaun Watson as an example. Cam Newton is another example. He hasn't missed six, seven years, but his bad play the last time we saw him and then just missing this whole past season, teams are already very apprehensive to sign him. And so if you think Cam Newton, who if you want to talk resumes, does have a better resume than Colin Kaepernick, if he can't get a job and you think you're going to get one, I think it's I think it's a bit delusional. And I think it's kind of unfair to blame it all on politics instead of kind of accepting the reality of the situation. But what do you think? Do you think that one day maybe Colin Kaepernick actually does get signed? Or do you think we've seen the last of him in the NFL? Uh, it's, it's, he he won't see another down in the NFL. I think, again, it's obviously the political pieces of it are a major factor. But again, like, you haven't touched the NFL field and now going on seven years. And you have guys that even though they aren't great, they've consistently been in the locker room. They've consistently been in team practices. And, like, I mean, like, even think about Jerry Stidham last year. Like, he showed flashes that made Raiders fans think, like, hey, he might end up being the starting quarterback of the future. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a, it was like a game or two. But he did that. And so it's like, you never know 
what you could get in a guy that's consistently been in your um in your playbook and all those things. So I I think he's done in the NFL. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, hey, it was a fun run while it was there. But I mean, also we neither of us even mentioned this. His last season with San Francisco was terrible. It wasn't good. He got benched in favor for Blaine Gabbard, who has also had an otherwise very bad career. It's not like Colin Kaepernick went out swinging, and the only reason why teams didn't want to bring him in or pick him up was because of the political stuff. That absolutely played a role in it. But my brother, I think he had one game where he threw for like four yards or something. That's going to speak volumes to not just what you believe in politically. So, yeah, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I wish him the best, though, in his endeavors, but the NFL, that one ain't happening. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery, and let's start things off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that made big inroads towards the end of last season. And this offseason has a lot of people talking, including one of their players, Jamal Agnew, who commented on the status of the team's offense. He said, we've got an explosive offense. We've got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, myself, and then obviously Trevor Lawrence playing quarterback. Add Calvin Ridley into that, the league gotta watch out so believable or buffoonery the jaguars will have a top five offense in the league this season i'm going to say believable um because christian kurt he he showed to be a good he showed that he could be a wide receiver one for them but i still think that when he comes back and he gets fully acclimated calvary really is going to be that dude yeah for sure. and like he's going to like I'm not going to say he's going to be a top five, but I can see him taking a minimum a top ten spot as a wide receiver, um, at least for this upcoming season. Then you throw in Trevor Lawrence having another year in the offense and being familiar. Like, I could definitely see them being a top five offense for sure. I think so too. And, I mean, especially when you kind of look at the division that they play in, the Titans have good players, but their overall defense has some questions. Same could be said for the um, Colts. And then when you look at the Texans, we don't know what the Texans are going to be. And so I think that especially in those division games, they could really help take over. And then you get that chemistry that they are that Trevor Lawrence already has with his players. In addition to Calvin Ridley, yeah, this Jags offense could be really, really good. But speaking of really, really good players, Travis Kelsey, in my opinion, is the best tight end in the league and arguably the greatest tight end of all time. However, he missed it sometimes as good as winning feels, making a little bit more money would feel good too. He said, when I saw Tyreek go get 30 million a year, in the back of my head, I was like, man, that's two to three times what I'm making right now. I'm like, the free market looks like fun until you go somewhere and you don't win. I love winning. I love the situation I'm in. Now, it would be an absolute shock to me if I looked up and saw Travis Kelsey got credit, I mean, got traded anywhere else. But for the sake of conversation, let's say a couple years come down the line, might win another Super Bowl or two, and he gets offered a mega contract, believable or buffoonery. Travis Kelsey will be a chief for life. I think it's believable. Um, I understand, like... Seeing Tyree get that deal, it makes the grass look greener. But it's also the reality of like, bro, you play tight end, not wide receiver. Right. We've seen we've seen it before where tight ends have tried to 
say like, hey, pay me wide receiver money because I'm one of the best pass catchers that you have. And it doesn't go the way that they want. Jimmy Graham's so a prime example of that. Because the Saints didn't give him what he wanted. He ended up getting traded to the Seahawks and was never the same. Yeah, and so I think, like, I think it's just one of those things where, like, he's going to end up being a chief for life because he's in a perfect situation with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, why leave? You're making, you're still a millionaire. You're still making good money. And you're with the best quarterback in the league, and you're winning. I mean, I'm sure 30 mil sound good, but it's hard to be mad if you're Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, I'm saying believable as well. I don't see him leaving at all. I think he's going to finish his career there. All right, let's go ahead and keep the conversation on pass catchers, taking things to Washington, um, where former Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is. Uh, one of the big reasons for it. Uh, Optimism within that offense is because Eric Bieniemy, the progression of second-year quarterback Sam Howell, and the progression of second-year wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who spoke highly of his expectations for a sophomore say season, saying, "This year, I feel like I gotta come crazy. I feel like this is gonna be my breakout year." Now, this past season. Uh, he had 35 catches for 523 yards and tied all rookie wide receivers for the most touchdown receptions with seven. Coming into a new offensive coordinator, finally seems like they have a full-time quarterback in tow. Believable or buffoonery, Jahan Dotson will top 1,000 yards this year. This Washington? Yep. Do, don't they still got Terry McLaurin? Uh... Yeah, Terry McLaurin's still there. Yeah, that's, he's still big dog. He's still big dog. I can see it. It really just depends on who throwing him the ball. But if they believe in Sam Howell, he can still crack a thousand yards and they still not be a good team. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I'll say this. I think that looking at where they're coming from, or at least where Eric Bieniemy is coming from, the Chiefs ain't do if the Chiefs weren't gonna do nothing, they were gonna sling the rock. Obviously, Sam Howell is no Patrick Mahomes, but they're still gonna try to open up the offense because they do have weapons on the outside. And so because of that, I think it is believable. I think that we are going to see um him top a thousand yards. But obviously, Terry McLaurin. If he had if Jahan Dotson has a thousand, I'd be shocked if Terry McLaurin doesn't have at least like thirteen hundred. At least. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to another top-tier wide receiver, and that's Mike Evans, who has big expectations for this season. Currently, he is running an eight-year streak of having 1,000 or more receiving yards, putting him just three seasons behind uh, Jerry Rice, who has 11 straight seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. Asked about the potential of breaking their record, he said, I hope I can pass the great Jerry Rice and his records. Obviously, nobody will pass his records probably like ever total, but that 1,000-yard streak will be cool to have. So looking at it, he's only got to take three more years to get – thousand straight yards believable or buffoonery mike evans will be the one to break that record um break a thousand yards every season yeah because jerry rice did it for 11 seasons right now um mike evans is has nine straight thousand yard seasons so he needs three more to break the record i'm gonna say i'm still gonna say believable 
because I feel like Mike Evans kind of fits into that category of similar to Deshaun, um, Deion, not Deshaun, DeAndre Hopkins, where regardless of who your quarterback is, you're going to make plays. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, because a lot of people are questioning if he's even going to get a thou this year with Mike, I mean not Mike, with Baker Mayfield. Mike Evans is a dog, minus when they play the Saints. And so I think that it's going to be a very hard time stopping him from topping that thousand yard mark. Cause I mean, he's done it with some bad quarterbacks. You telling me he can't continue to do it with Baker Mayfield that if nothing else, that offense is going to try to scheme ways for Mike Evans to get the ball, especially when they're getting near the red zone. So I think he could do it, but all right, continuing on wide receivers. Cause this is, I guess a very wide receiver based game. Uh, Chad Ochocinco, one of the greatest wide receivers of the 2000s, talked about the current state of wideouts and said, T. Higgins is a number one. The Bengals are one of a few teams with two number ones on their roster, along with the Eagles and Dolphins. Anybody want to argue those facts? Let's go. I'm effing ready. So, believable or buffoonery, the Bengals, Eagles, and Dolphins are the only teams in the league with two wide receiver ones. The Bengals, Eagles, and Dolphins. So it's what T and Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith and AJ uh AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I would Oh, that's hard. Cause would I really consider Devontae Smith a wide receiver one? Exactly. That's why I would say buffoonery because I would say there's two teams that have it. Devontae Smith is a strong number two, but I don't think he's a one. Yeah, I don't think he'll want to either, so I'm going to have to say buffoonery just because of that. And I'm trying to think if there's any other team that I would say has two wide receiver ones. I don't know if i say Seattle. they probably be like the closest in competition because Tyler Lockett is great. DK is great when he wants to be, but he's so inconsistent. But other than that, I think that might be it. Can you think of anybody else? Because that might be all I got. I can't think of nobody else neither. Maybe Dallas? Because Brandon Cooks has been a number one wide receiver. He's not, like, flashy or anything, but he still puts up great numbers in his CD lamb. But in terms of, like, balanced talent, yeah, I would just say Dolphins and Bengals. But – Let's talk about a team that you care about, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who seemingly have kind of been lost in the shuffle when discussing the AFC North. However, former coach Herm Edwards said that is a mistake by team, saying, I think that the team is prime. We talk about the Cincinnati. We talk about the Ravens all the time. Don't forget about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, believable or buffoonery, the Steelers will be a play- wild card playoff team this season. I'm going to say believable. Um, I think you get you get a year or two with Kenny Pickett and his development that he was starting to show later in the season. George Pickens um, is going to be a guy that's going to, I think, going to evolve into their true wide receiver one. Then you throw in, like, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, Pat Frymuth, Darrell Washington. Darnell Washington, like, they have a good group of, like, pass catchers and skill position guys. You're going to have a, a healthy Najee Harris and what looks to be an improved outline. Plus, 
I mean, the defensive side of the ball, like you bringing in Pat P, Joey Porter Jr., like, I definitely think that they're at least, at minimum, going to be a wild card team. Yeah, we're in agreement. I think they're going to be a wild card team as well. I think at this present moment, I still think Bengals are the favorites in the division, and rightfully so. I think Baltimore would be my two. And then, but I don't think there's a big gap right now between Baltimore and the Steelers. And then I still think the Browns are four. So, yeah, I could absolutely see them making the playoffs. But, all right, last question before we get out of here. Heading back in that time machine, we're going to take things back to the 2013-2015 Philadelphia Eagles. That were one of the most exciting teams to watch in football, boasting a roster that had Michael Vick, Nandi Asamoah, um, I might have lied to you. Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson. Um, was Asante Samuel on that team? Yeah, he was. Yeah. And Nami Osipo was, I think. That was probably the year right before that traded to the Raiders. I believe so. You still had Shady, Jeremy Macklin, etc. There were high expectations for this team. And then Chip Kelly came from Oregon, and in the words of Deshaun Jackson, he messed everything up. He said, I don't respect Chip Kelly. What he did, you can ask any Eagles fan ever. They'll tell you the same thing. He dismantled our team. There's no way you get rid of Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, Michael Vick, Jeremy Macklin. We were Philadelphia. Friendly reminder, Chip Kelly was 26-21 and 21 with the Eagles and only reached the playoffs one time, losing in the first round to the Saints in the uh, at home in, the 20, in 2013. In 2015, Kelly was given full control of the roster and completed the infamous trade of trading LaShawn McCoy for Buffalo Bills linebacker Kiko Alonzo, as well as trading Nick Foles for Sam Bradford. So, believable or buffoonery, Chip Kelly played a big role in the Eagles not winning a Super Bowl sooner. I would say 100% because that, that, that Philly team was loaded. Like, you name the names, but it's just one of them things where it's like you looked up and every week you would see Vic throwing a dime to Deshaun Jackson or um, Jeremy Macklin. Then you will see Asante Samuel getting a pick. And then, not to mention, in my opinion, probably the biggest piece was Shady in the way that he was, in his words, putting up, doing crazy work like every week. Like, that team should have, would have definitely won a Super Bowl, I think, if they would have been able to stay together a little bit longer and not get blown up prematurely. Yeah, I think so too, especially. You got to remember that first year, Michael Vick was crazy. I mean, the only reason why he didn't get the Madden cover was because of the dog stuff. And then that led to the kind of popularity contest with Peyton Hillis getting it. But I mean, he was insane there. Yeah, he kind of had some bumps in the road. But I mean, that team overall was loaded. And so it is crazy to think that they didn't have more overall success than they did. And then, I mean, looking at Chip Kelly at the time, I get it when he was in Oregon. He was crazy innovative. Their offense was crazy. He had put up insane numbers at that time. And it was really unique just how fast they were playing. But it became pretty clear that it just did not translate well to the NFL. And so I think it was more of a systematic error as opposed to an error with the personnel. So, yeah, I would say believable as well. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Starting off with some roster news. Two big trades. P- 
possibly could be coming, starting off with James Harden, who decided to opt into his player option worth $36.2 million in an effort, I'm sorry, $35.6 million in an effort to work with the 76ers on getting a trade out of Philly. It'll be interesting to see where exactly he ends up. So in your opinion, no real timetable on when it's going to happen, but where do you think James Harden lands next? Um, To be honest, and this kind of will tie into my answer to another part of this segment, I think he might ultimately end up in Portland. I can see that. I'm going to be real with you. I don't think he ends up getting traded. And the reason I say that is because I feel like no team is going to jump to make a move for him until they know what's happened with happening with Dame. And because, honestly, between the two at this point, I'm taking Dame over James Harden. I don't know if you agree, but slide me down. Uh-huh. And so with him being the biggest domino, I think that until we see what happens with him, we're not going to know where he goes. Like, for example... We're going to get to it literally in a couple of minutes. But the Miami Heat are supposedly Damian Lillard's top destination. Cool. So if they get Dame, that automatically knocks out possibly getting James Harden. I don't think that would get him anyway. But let's say the Knicks were to get Damian Lillard, which is has been a title of speculation. That was one of the first teams that kind of came out being interested in James Harden. Where does he end up? And so I'm just having a really hard time finding a fit. Outside of Philly, the only one I could see is maybe Dame for Harden in the trade. But if you're Portland, would you even want James Harden? Because honestly, I wouldn't. I don't think it makes sense, especially if you're trying to go into a rebuild. Why bring in another expensive older guard who's just going to be there on borrowed time? I think because it's been reported numerous times. Excuse me. It's been reported numerous times that... um, that Portland wants a star level talent in return for Dame. And it's like, if you're basing it off of that aspect, the only team that could potentially offer it is Philly. Because, like, yes, James Harden is an older guard, but, like, you can still say, like, James Harden will be considered to some people a star level talent in today's NBA. He might not be a superstar level talent, but he has a star level talent. And, like, you can't get there from Miami because Miami, the the trade is routinely being Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Peaks. And it's like, if you're looking for a, a quote-unquote star-level talent, you can kind of get there from Philly if you do a James Harden, say a James Harden, and Tobias Harris, and maybe a couple picks for Dame Lillard. It's, it's just weird to me because we kind of talked about it before the even the NBA draft about what sense it would make to have Anthony Simons, Scoot, and Dane. And so in just replacing Dane for James Harden, you still kind of have that same problem. And so I don't know. It just it feels weird. It feels so weird. But all right, let's talk about Damian Lillard, who last week finally formally requested a trade out of Portland. And it's being reported that the Miami Heat are his top destination. So we don't really know the headspace of the Portland Trailblazers. I've heard mixed reports, one being that they don't plan on honoring the heat, the Dane to heat, the heat request. Other reports I've heard is that they can't do the trade without a third team, and so they're trying to find that out. So 
let's just start there. Will the team honor his Miami request? Um, I think it depends on if they if they if they really do need a third team, what third team would want to get involved? What would they be willing to give up? If it's a again, if they want to receive a quote unquote star level talent in return for Dane, then it won't happen in Miami because Tyler Hero, he's a really good player, but Tyler Hero isn't a star level player. Duncan Robinson isn't a star level player. Um, like, so it's just weird. I think they. It's, it's probably one of the more weirder trade scenarios in recent history. Yeah, because it's like one of those things where a great player wants to get traded, teams are banging on the door to make it happen. And usually it's a lot faster resolution, and that hasn't been the case. Like with Bradley Beal, he was they were talking about him getting traded, and then like three days later he was in Phoenix. It took no time. Now it's like, I understand if you're Portland, you want to get good compensation. But again, it's like you're just trading one dame for another. And it's saying that even if you get a James Harden or a player like on that level, you're not going to get over the hump. You're still not really going to be a good team. And you just gave Jeremy Grant all this money. And so it's like, what do you value more, building for the future or being semi-competitive right now? And I think the sooner we know the answer to that question, the sooner we'll find out where Dame ends up. Personally, I think when it's all said and done, he does end up with Miami, even though the logistics of the con- of it are crazy right now. But I think it is Miami. But let's say it's not Miami. Who do you think would do it? Philly. Because outside, in my opinion, outside of Miami, Philly makes the most sense because it's like, you 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 pair him up with Joel and B. You'll then have a guard point a big man point guard combination. That's your two best players on the court, and you can offer them like you can offer them somewhat of what they would want. Again, it does it wouldn't make sense on the court in my opinion, like you said, to have Scoot, James Harden, and Anthony Simons, but. This Portland's problem, but right. from the Phillies, you can then have say James on Dame. If you want to throw Tyrese Maxey back out at the two, you can bring in a. You can have a three and have PJ Tucker play the four and Joel Embiid play the five, and that could be that could be a really good lineup. Um, I think defensive defensively, if you're gonna run with a. Um, Tyrese Maxey, Damian Lillard backcourt, that could be an issue. But, I mean, y'all did it with James Harden, and he's not a great defender, so y'all, it didn't bother y'all that much. So that's what I would say. It's interesting from the – now, this is – I had a long conversation about this with my friend Chris, a.k.a. Embryo, and I asked – I posed the question of, do you even think James Harden would even want to go to Portland? Because – if you, my thought process is if you're opting into a player option with the intent of being doing a sign and trade, as a veteran player, you kind of get a bit of say 
as to where you want to end up. Like, for example, if they traded him to Utah, there's no way in hell James Harden would be down for that. And if you look at Portland, they have young talent, but again, it's not like they're exactly in a position to compete. So do you think even if, let's say that trade did take place, do you think uh, James Harden even play for Portland or would he try to force a buyout? I don't think he will force a buyout. I think they would just go, they might just go ahead and buy him out. Like, I think unless James Harden goes to, like, a contender or a quasi-contender, i.e. a Clippers or, like, maybe the Knicks, which I still don't think makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think if he were to go anywhere else, he more than likely would just get bought out. Because, like, Portland, you don't, you don't need him there. Like, you're going to, you want to, put the ball in Scoot Henderson's hand as much as possible and bringing in a guy like James Harden is not going to help that cause um, so it's, again that's why I say like this whole scenario is interesting because it could go a lot of different ways yeah for sure and like and then that's why it's kind of like if you're Portland why even trade for Harden if you know you're not going to keep him you're going to end up buying him out and so you're going to give him a whole bunch of money just to not play for y'all and so that's why the Philly connection is weird, um, but I think, honest, realistically, the only teams that make sense to me are Miami, Philly. I don't know how the logistics would work. Maybe the Knicks, but I don't know if Dame is exactly what they need right now. And so it's weird. It feels like it's a two-team race, but the trailblazers are expecting there to be more all i will say is they better not send that man to utah if they send dame to utah i hope he i hope he blows that organization up because that would be so sick from the yeah and from the Knicks standpoint in my opinion they don't need to go for dame they need to go what they need to do is they need to go for paul george yeah because it's you have a point guard already already in Jalen Brunson. You have Julius Randle, who, yes, he can be up and down at times. He still can be a productive player. Like, bring in Paul George, who can be an upgraded version of R.J. Berry. Because he can he can make plays on the perimeter from a scoring and passing standpoint. He's a better shooter than R.J. Berry. And he can also play defense. That's what the Knicks need. They don't need another guard. This, they don't need another point guard or a small guard. They need a wing. Yeah, so it just – and we talked about them apparently not going after Paul George for whatever reason, which didn't make no sense to me. It's It'll be very interesting to see how this all shakes out because it's weird because we talked about being frustrated with Dame and not getting a decision one way or another, and now we have a decision, and it's still just as frustrating because nobody knows what the hell is going to happen. So – it's going to be a very interesting next few weeks regarding Dane and where he ends up. But all right, let's talk about some moves that have been taking place over the past week with our NBA free agency breakdown. We do this every year. We talk some of our favorite moves, least favorite moves, who got better, who got worse, all that good stuff. So let's go ahead and start off on a positive note with our top five favorite signings so far. Ethan, you want to go first? You want me to go first? How you want to do it? You can go first. But uh, for me, number five for me is Brooke Lopez staying with the Bucks, two-year, $48 million deal. 
Um, I mean, Brooke Lopez is coming off of a career year where some people actually thought he should have been defensive player of the year. I disagree, but he was still a really big part of that Bucks organization, and it's really good that they're able to bring him back and kind of have that defensive element to kind of take some of that pressure off of Giannis onto the Kumpo. So I like that move a lot. Um, for me, number five, I'm going to go with this team at the Bucks re-signing Chris Middleton. Yeah, that was another good one, too, because it, it would have been weird, like, where would Chris Middleton have gone? I can't really picture him nowhere but Milwaukee. All right, number four for me is Eric Gordon going to the Suns on a two-year, $6.5 million deal. And when you make a trade for Bradley Beal while also already having on your roster DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, it's all about the bench. And I think that this is a great move for the Suns to kind of strengthen that bench and do so at a really cheap level. Everybody knows Eric Gordon is one of the most lethal off-the-bench shooters in the NBA, been doing this for a very long time. And I think that he's going to provide a much-needed spark to their bench. Um, For me, I would say, I'm going to say Derrick Rose signing with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, do I think on the court it's going to make a huge impact Absolutely not. But what I think the impact is going to make on is you're going to have a veteran that's been in the league for over a decade, mentor, a young, explosive point guard that resembles Derrick Rose. Like, in Derrick Rose prime, he was the he was the most explosive point guard we had ever seen at that point. Now, you look up at that point guard name in today's NBA is John Morant. And I think He's another guy that he has Memphis ties because he played in the University of Memphis. And going into the NBA, he had a couple questions around his character because of the whole NCAA violation and how he was able to rebound from that. So I love this signing for the Grizzlies. I love that one too. That was actually my third favorite move. But it I'm happy you mentioned it because it leads me to a tweet I saw that Isaiah Thomas posted earlier today. And he said, Watch what type of season Ja has next year with D Rose connected to his hip all year long. Once he gets off suspension, we will have his best season yet. That D Rose presence going to have him on some MVP shit. Watch. And Ja quoted the tweet and said, You too loud, OG. They gonna feel me for sure. For sure. Do you think that with D Rose in tow, we're gonna see the best job we've seen yet. Hell yes. Like I think we like I know he's gonna miss twenty five games and he could potentially miss more due to injury. But and miss out on a chance to win like awards and things of that nature. But when he's on the court, I definitely think we're gonna see the best version of job. Because again, Derrick Rose was John Moran before John Moran. He was a explosive point guard who wasn't that great of a shooter, who had a, a floater game. Like, their games are really reminiscent of one another. And I think the thing that Derrick Rose is going to be able to teach him is, like, teach him how to use his pacing. Because that was something that, as Derrick Rose got older, like, Derrick Rose is still especially for his age, he's still one of the more explosive point guards at the position. But, like, as he got older and the injuries kicked in, like, one of the things that he changed was, like, he didn't always go 100 miles an hour. Like, he paced himself. He had moments where he would slow down, then kick it back up, and then get to the hole. And I think those are the things gonna he's going to be able to teach Ja and what's going to get Ja to that next level. Along with, he might be able to Teach y'all like, hey, bro, stop landing on the floor. 
because the floor never loses. Right. It always wins at some point. All right, so what's your uh, number three favorite free agency move? My number three favorite free agency move, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to say Brooke Lopez for everything in the G Stadium. I think it's big that you bring him back because um, he's a huge defensive presence. And in my opinion, you have to have a center like Brooke Lopez for the offense to work with Giannis because he's so drive dominant and you can't have another big body clogging up the paint. Great. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, my number two, I'm going to kind of cheat because it's two players, but it's for the same team. And that's the Lakers keeping Rui Hachimura on a five, three-year $51 million deal and bringing back Austin Reeves on, I believe, a three-year $56 million deal. The fact that you're able to bring both of those guys in for a little over $100 million compared to what some guys are getting by themselves, I think that was a great move for L.A., and I'm happy that they're keeping those young guns together. Austin Reeves is a sucker, bro. Yeah, that contract sucks. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> so bro. You could have, you could have, you could have talked to Utah and been white G and been like they white save you and probably got a bag, but you decided like, oh, I'm gonna just stay in LA and take pocket change. You, I, I don't like dude. <laughs> a lot of these things from him yelling out, I'm him in the FedEx form. But like, come on, bro. Uh, <laughs> It's funny you say that, cause I definitely had a conversation about that. Like seeing it was only like three year fifty six, and then Dylan Brooks got eighty, and I'm like, for real? Yeah. That's a steal. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. such a steal. Maybe he just really loved LA. Maybe LeBron sweet talked him to saying, I don't care what it is, but it only costs us fifty six mil compared to what everybody else is getting. I'm good. Sign me up. Yeah. But uh, my number two. I'm, I'm going to go L.A. I'm going to say the Lakers signing Gabe Vincent. I think that's a really good, sneaky, underrated signing. Because, because uh, yes, I know they brought back D'Angelo Russell. But I think Gabe Vincent, he's proved, he proved himself in the playoffs as being a guy that can play um, above his contract and above his, um, his role. And I think come playoff time, if you have – Another D'Angelo Russell disappearance. Gabe Vincent will come in and right the ship. Yeah, I can see that, especially because Gabe Vincent has experience stepping up when it's all eyes on him. All right, uh, my number one, unsurprisingly, is Russell Westbrook re-signing with the Clippers on the two-year $7.8 million deal. Honestly, I, excluding the Heat, there was nowhere else I wanted Russ to go. He's a great fit for L.A. They love him. It seems like he finally can go somewhere and be himself without being under such a microscope. And so I'm happy that they were able to work it out. I'm shocked it was this little, but, hey, I mean, he just made 47 mil last year. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Um, my number one is Bruce Brown signing with the Pacers. Granted, I don't think the Pacers are going to make that much noise in the Eastern Conference, but I could very well see them being a playoff team. And I think that Bruce Brown is a guy that can help instill their like winning culture um in their franchise, and it never hurts to take away a key player from a, a world championship team. Huh, that's that's interesting because I, I kind of have a different take on the Bruce Brown move. But, I mean, I'll just say it. It was my fourth least favorite pick, more so just because of the money. I don't hate the fit itself, but it's just kind of surprising that, one, that Denver let him leave. 
But I mean, if he was gonna make f almost fifty mil on the open market, I know Denver wasn't gonna pay him that money. But I was I was surprised that they did it. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our top five least favorite signings. What do you have at five? Least favorite? <sighs> Shit, I'm trying to think. I don't really know that many moves that I didn't like. It's just like one that I didn't like. What was the one you didn't like? Dylan getting eighty million. That's my five. <laughs> that was my five. There's no way like, he should make more money than Austin Reeves or Russ. There's no, there's no way that he should be making eighty million dollars. No. Because, and we, the only reason he's making that much money is because the Rockets had to spend money to, um, for the cap reasons. But bro, dude, like. I know he's made these statements around like, oh, I have more to my game that can be unlocked than I no. Where? Bro, you're a three you're a defensive player. Like the only thing that should be unlocked is you working on your three point shot. Because even on the Rockets, you look at it right now, you have Fred Lenfeet. He's gonna take up shots. Jabbar uh Jalen Green, he's gonna take shots. You have Jabari Smith, he's going to need shots. And you have Sengun, he's going to need shots. Like Dylan, you're, you're basically in the same situation you were in in Memphis all over again. You want a young team that has good talent, that's trying to figure out how, that's going to try to figure out how to win. You're not going to get 15 plus shots a game on this team, bro. And the difference is, Ema Udoka is going to tell you. Taylor Jenkins just lets you do what you want to do. He might you dunk, gonna be like, "Hey, bro, you gotta chill out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, that was definitely on my list. Uh, two other ones I didn't love uh, was Kyrie Irving staying with the Mavs. I mean, again, you never really heard that much about him going anywhere else. I just do not like the fit of him and Luca together. I don't think it works. That's fine. That's right. It's cool. You said what? I said, it's fine. He's going to ask for a trade by the middle of the season. That's why it don't bother me that much. Yeah, you got that right. And then number one was Miles Bridges uh, sign, re-signing with the Hornets for obvious reasons. All right, there was quite a few players who signed max extensions over the past week. Just to name a few, you got Memphis's own Desmond Bain, Anthony <laughs> Edwards with the Timberwolves, LaMelo Ball with the Hornets. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis restructured his deal to make it a max extension with the Kings. Of those four players, which one do you think is going to have the biggest impact over their team for on their team for the next five years? Oh, 100 percent, Anthony Edwards. Same. Uh, like, dude, dude is in prime position to become the star, especially if it's looking like the Timberwolves are actually going to try to deal cat. Which I've heard like small rumblings around it, and I've heard one of the I saw one of the dumbest things ever um, is that I saw somebody write an article about why the Grizzlies should trade for Carl Anthony Towns and it made my flesh crawl Ew. <laughs> but but yeah I, it's gonna definitely be at, um, and then I would probably if he can stay healthy I would see LaMelo probably being second yeah, I would agree with – I totally agree about Ant. Even if Cat's there, I think we're already starting to see the transition of it being his team. I mean, just the excitement he brings to the court, the way he's able to take over in ways that Carl Anthony Towns just does not do consistently. 
I feel like we are only going to see bigger and better things from Anthony Edwards. LaMelo, it's, it's weird with LaMelo. Like, obviously, he's the Hornets' best player, but... I kind of view him in the same light as Trey Young right now to where you can be your team's best player, but that doesn't mean you're really affecting winning. It's not like this. I have high hopes for the Hornets right now, or at least with the current state of their roster. I could be wrong, but in terms of talent, yeah, I mean, position-wise, sure. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, what do you feel like was the best trade made over the past week or so, excluding Bradley Beal to the Suns and, you know, CP3 to the Warriors since we already talked about that. The best trade? I'm trying to remember who I... Um, so, not too many happened. The Nets traded uh, Joe Harris and two second-round picks to the Pistons. Um, Obi Topin is headed to the Pacers for two future second-round picks. And uh, the Clippers got K.J. Martin from the Rockets for two future second-round picks. I actually liked it. Uh, KJ Martin going to the uh, Clippers because when I saw when I saw the Dylan trade and I saw that it was going to be like a signing trade I was like bro if we can get I know he's not that great of a shooter but I was like if we could get KJ Martin out of this I would be I would love it and it didn't happen but I think he could be a really good like um he could be a really good piece because he he's a defensive minded player. He's athletic. Um, he he's shown that he can maybe improve on his three point shot, which could turn him into a prototypical three and D type of guy. But make some highlight plays around the rim. So I think that's a really good move for the Clippers, especially given the fact that like sooner or later they're gonna have to come off on some of the contracts that they have with guys like uh. Chance man and other guys, which leads me to be like, hey, Grizz, go ahead, hit them up by Robert Covington. But you know, it is what it is. So, all right, uh, for me, I think I would say Obi Topin. I just think he's one of those guys who we've seen flashes of potential with New York, but just under Tom Thibodeau, it just has never fully been unlocked. And I'm not saying I think he's gonna go to Indiana and be an absolute star, but Tyrese Maxey. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, another guy who signed a max extension. My bad for forgetting about him. Um, who already mentioned he's excited to play with OB, and he already said he's going to pull a Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes say, F it, OB's down there somewhere. So I'm excited to see how he fits into what the Pacers are building. So that would be my favorite trade. But all right, what three teams do you think have gotten better through the first week or so of free agency? Three teams. Um... The Memphis Grizzlies, the Boston Celtics, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Really? I would say Suns for getting the bench. Rockets, even though they gave Dylan Brooks way too much money, I do like them getting Fred Van Vliet and Lakers. Um, all right, what about the three teams that got worse? Uh, three teams that got worse, I would say it's hard because I feel like I don't really feel like any team got worse. I feel like they either improved or stayed where they kind of are. Um, let me think on it. I feel that I because – I'm sorry to interrupt. Because kind of like with the Lakers, I don't think it's that they've made major improvements. It's just they kept the players that were working for them and then just added another guy like Teron Prince and um, Jackson Hayes, just kind of maintenance players. And, yeah – 
I feel you on the teams that got significantly worse. I would say Celtics because I still feel like they have a big need at point guard that they haven't addressed. The Heat because they've lost quite a few players, important role players, and they haven't made any moves. And I know reportedly they're not trying to do anything until they figure out what's going to happen with Dame, but still. And then number one, it's easily just the Portland Trailblazers for losing Dame. That's true. I mean, I think in the case of Portland, like the only reason I don't I don't view them as like saying they're getting worse is because going into this season I didn't think that they were gonna be a great team to begin with because I knew I just had the feeling that Dame wasn't gonna be there anymore. Yeah. And once they drafted Scoop, it was the confirmation and I'm like they just basically did the thing that I expected them to do, which is say like, Hey, we're gonna rebuild which again now that's one of the Speaking of free agency signers that I thought was bad, was re-signing Jeremy Grant. That was a does, stupid move. I, I think they only did it with the intention of pleasing Dane. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's rough out here. Yeah, I feel you on the Trailblazers because, I mean, it was really no telling. I just think it's a big loss for Dane because maybe on the court it doesn't change too much like win totals. But the overall interest interest in the Trailblazers is going to be much lower. Unless Scoop goes on a crazy tear, the roster as it stands right now, I would be shocked if they got three primetime games. Oh, yeah. Well, they'll get a couple just because Scoop is a number three pick. Maybe against the like, – maybe like a Spurs game for Wimby. I would say maybe a Spurs game for Wimby. Depending on how he does, he might get a couple of games against like some of the more prominent PGs. Like I can see them probably throwing maybe a Memphis Portland game on because of Scoot versus Ja. Um, well, shit, that's not gonna be for twenty five yeah. plus games. It's gonna be a minute for that. Yeah, it's gonna be a minute for that. But I mean, in twenty five plus games, that that will let us know the excitement around Scoot. Because if he's able to come in and be a good player from jump, then it'll just make that it'll make that matchup even more anticipated. Yeah, true. I'll say this: I think at the start of the season, they're not going to have a lot of primetime games. But the, with the development of Anthony and Scoop playing together, and who else comes out of the woodworks, that could get them more. But going into the season, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be many at all. Um, all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. And we are going to start off with player loyalty. One of the big moves that the uh, Memphis Grizzlies made was getting Marcus Smart in a trade with the Boston Celtics. And it came as a big surprise for the point guard as reportedly he was asleep when the trade happened. And the week before, he was told that he was good and that there were no trade talks with him. Then you fast forward, you look at what's happened with other loyal players such as Isaiah Thomas, what's going on with Damian Lillard, and if they're going to actually honor his trade request. And just... Across the league, it seems like players who are loyal, that tends to be punished. So, believable or buffoonery, the days of players being loyal to teams are coming to an end. Uh, I think so. I think you'll get a couple exceptions. Like, I mean, Dane was a huge exception. Marcus Smart was a huge exception. I think you'll still get a couple. But I also just, I don't think it'll be more, um, more prominent as it used to be in the past. I'd agree with that. I think 
kind of seeing what happens with Dame and guys like Marcus Smart, that's going to play a big role in it just because you see players who have been loyal, who have given their all to their organizations and still are just thrown out like a piece of meat. And so I could see it happening, especially if you, I don't think teams are going to hang around for a decade. And if they're not winning, they're going to stay like realistically of current NBA players, the only guy who I could see might stay with their team beyond 10 years without winning a ring is Joel Embiid. And even that kind of feels like a stretch. I don't see that. You said what? I said I don't see that. I feel like if he doesn't win a ring, maybe ne- this next upcoming season, depending on what moves they make, if they get, like, say they get Dame, if they don't win, I. I think he might request for a trade. Well, he... The main reason why I said Joel Embiid is because he's been in the league almost 10 years now. So... I forgot about that. Yeah, so that's the only reason why I said that. Now, don't get me wrong. If he requested a trade next year that they have another second-round exit, that's a situation I don't think nobody could blame him. Like, get up out of there while you still are young or able to have success. But, yeah, I think I think those days are coming to an end. All right. We talked about loyalty. I like Kyrie Irving a lot, but he is not exactly loyal. However, prior to the start of free agency, he mentioned uh, that he was hopeful that the next team he he signs with is the team that he will end his career with. Reportedly, he was searching for a place where he could spend the rest of his career, a place that feels like home. Fast forward a few days later, he signs that extension with the Dallas Mavericks. So believable or buffoonery. The Mavericks will be Kyrie Irving's last team. I'm going to say buffoonery because, I mean, every team that he's gone to after being with the Cavaliers, he said, like, he wants to spend the rest of his career there or he's not leaving. And then at some point during the season, he always ends up leaving. Yeah. that's Yeah, I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. It always sounds good beforehand, but then – for one reason or another, Kyrie's always out the door. So, no, I'm not believing it. All right, last question sitting around Damian Lillard. Um, we saw just a couple years ago in the NFL, Matthew Stafford, longtime quarterback for the Detroit Lions, first year with the Los Angeles Rams after a long-awaited trade, brings them a Super Bowl. And so the question is starting to become, will Damian Lillard be the NBA's version of Matthew Stafford? Recently, he liked a tweet uh, that said, need Dame to pull some LeBron type shit, goes to Miami, win a couple rings, and come back home and win it. Portland, this is for you. So, believable or buffoonery, Damian Lillard will be the NBA's version of Matthew Stafford. Um, I, it depends on what team he goes to. I feel like if he goes to Miami, to be honest, as much as I would love it, I don't think so. Um, but if he were to go to Philly, I could see that. I'm going to say buffoonery just because, that's a, one, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody, like as soon as you leave to go win a ring. And I think the NBA has shown it takes time to actually build chemistry. And let's be honest, it's not like Dame is a spring chick and he's over 30 He's going to be playing for a brand new team for the first time in, what, 13, 14 years? So I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get accustomed to wherever he is. So I'm going to say buffoonery. I think he'll have success wherever he ends up, but I'm not totally buying that it's just going to be smooth sailings and he's going to coast to a ring. 
But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our money in the bank predictions. I mean, well, recap. Week's money in the bank recap. It's going to be extra, extra special, not only because we are joined by Embryo, a.k.a. Chris Waters, but also Big E.T., a.k.a. Big E., a.k.a. Ethan, who is currently watching Money in the Bank, is joining us for Money in the Bank recap as well. So we'll start off with Ethan. I know you're just about finished with the card. Overall, how did you like the show? I thought, I thought it was good. I, if I were to give it like a grade, I'd probably say like a good B, B minus. Can't go wrong with that. And then with Embryo, I have a very special surprise for you in the next couple of minutes. So be ready for that, okay? Oh, I'm excited. You shouldn't be, because I'm not excited to do it, but I got to do it because I am a fair and benevolent. I already know what it is. I already know what it is. No, you don't. You don't. Okay, listen. But all right, let's go ahead and take a look at what took place this past Saturday at Money in the Bank. Starting off with Damian Priest comes up with one of the biggest words of the year after winning Money in the Bank. Liv and Raquel claim the Women's Tag Team Championships after Shayna Baszler does the Lord's work and chokes out Ronda. Uh, Gunther retains his Intercontinental Championship, but that's overshadowed by the return of everyone's favorite Scottish warrior. Cody Rhodes proves to be just too much for Dirty Dom and gets the dub. Speaking of swerves, where the hell did John Cena come from? Um, EO Sky earns her genius moniker in Money in the Bank with her win. Uh, Seth retains after, I guess, what could be considered a distraction by Damian Priest. And for the first time in almost four years, Roman Reigns takes the pin as the Usos win the Bloodline Civil War. For the second straight pay-per-view, it is Embryo who goes home with the win with a record of 5-2. and two. I came in second place with a record of 4-3. and three. Ethan got third with third and four. So this is your surprise, Embryo. You're a winner. Congratulations. Anything you'd like to say? Just want to appreciate that. You know, the past couple times I was taking it easy on you. You know, okay. you talking crap. So I had to show you something. You know, this is going to continue. My reign is going to be three pay-per-views, y'all. It's going to be three. See, I, I want to be so nice to you. But then you say stuff like that to where it's like, well, now you're, you're asking me to bug you. You're asking well, me to start me you stuff. Gonna be nice. You told me you was going to be nice because we had a special guest. Well, technically, you're the special guest. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Hey, look, you said you was going to be nice. And I just want to, I'm, I'm grateful that I won. You know, I knew I was going to do it. You know, it's going to get stressed to SummerSlam. I'm going to win SummerSlam, too. I can only wish to be as delusional as you are. But all right, let's go ahead and start breaking down the card. <laughs> starting with our favorite matches. What'd you say, Embryo? Nothing. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Ethan, you can start us off. What has been your favorite match of the card? Um, I'm wrapping up the Bloodline Civil War, but other than that, I probably would say Riddle versus Duncan. Really? Okay. Mm. Um, Embryos, what about you? Um, that's a tough one because if you definitely want to go with the end, it was definitely going to be the Civil War. Like uh, we spoke about it, you know, it's sped up in the middle. Um, favorite match of the night. I'm going to go with the men's money in the bank. I really enjoyed it. Um, they had some nice little things in there. You know, Paul almost broke his neck. Yeah. Um, and then it was a nice little swerve with uh, L.A. Knight losing. I, I like the uh, men's money in the bank match. Since we're on the subject, I know a lot of people, like multiple people reach out to me mad that Damian Priest won. Do either of y'all have an issue with Damian Priest winning? Because honestly, I thought it was a good move if it wasn't going to be L.A. Knight. 
Uh, well, I, I, I guess I'll go first. Um, I don't have a problem. It was either him or L.A. Knight, honestly. Um, if you want to go with a heel, even though we just had a heel with the Money in the Bank briefcase, but I don't have a problem with Damian Priest. It, it just depends on which belt is he going to get, you know, um, which I would assume it would be the World Heavyweight Championship at some point, but I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I don't even because I remember I watched the Raw where he himself had the match. Phoenix cost him the match. And I was like, yeah, this looks like a mini build up to him winning money in the bank and the judgment day coming to an end. So I had a feeling that he was going to win it if LA Knight didn't win it. So I had no issues. Yeah, I don't either. Um, especially considering, well, I'll be the first to say, I don't want the Judgment Day to break up because I love me some Judgment Day. But I think Finn and Damian Priest would be a cool feud, especially like looking back at their NXT matches. They were generally bangers, yeah. and I don't anticipate this being any different. But it kind of goes back to what you said, Embryo, about the last Money in the Bank winner was a heel. And yeah. I will say this. <laughs> I'm already happier with Damian Priest's Mr. Money in the Bank or Senior Money in the Bank than I am with anything Austin Theory has done in the past, like, two Facts. weeks. I, I definitely agree with you, and I just realized he wasn't even on the card. <laughs> but um, I I think they're not going to break up the full Judgment Day thing. I feel like they're probably going to kick Damian Priest out because he calls Finn, and I guess in the way he calls Dominic, I guess the way you explained it to me. So I can see them probably kicking him out so he can be just by himself but i don't see them just fully breaking it up but um i mean the, the last face we had was what biggie yeah and biggie ain't no time if yeah. or when biggie is gonna come back exactly so um i'm fine with danny and Priest. um it's gonna be i think it would have been more interesting if they had won it would have been way more interesting yeah i would agree with that but then low-key you don't want to kind of you don't want to screw seth in the process because it's like yeah, but it's Seth Rollins. He's wonderful with or without a belt. You know what I mean? But I get where you're coming from 100%. Wow, look at us agreeing. Um, But, yeah, I would say my favorite match was the Bloodline Civil War. It started off a bit nice. slow, but when it picked up, it was pretty great. All right, moving on to our favorite moment. Obviously, mine was Shayna Baszler choking out Ronda because y'all all know how I feel about <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Embryo, what about you? What was your favorite moment of the night? My favorite moment was my boy Jay finally pinning Roman. At all these years of being tortured, manipulated, he finally was able to pin Roman. That was my favorite moment. All right, what about you, Ethan? Yeah, mine's is the same seeing Jay pinning Roman. Um, because the Money in the Bank match was good, but a lot of the things that's happened in Money in the Bank matches, you've kind of already seen before. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, seeing Roman get pinned, something that hasn't happened in what three years, that probably is the longer. Best probably like three years and a couple months, right? Right? It's three and a half years. The last time he got pinned was December of twenty nineteen, I believe. By Baron Corbin. <laughs> we don't got to talk was about it King that. Corbin. Was it King Corbin? Who? who hey, I, hey, I like Baron Corbin. Wherever they get Baron Corbin, he 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 puts his all into it. So I, I like his like move set. I'll get and his yeah. entrance theme, or at least the old one, was a banger. This new one now is whack, but he went back to the Lone Wolf on NXT. Okay. I know that. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I low key like Dio winning as well. I like how she had them handcuffed. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, I love how they did that because Ethan and I were talking about it yeah. earlier. I thought it was a really creative way to do it. 
because when uh, EO got knocked off the ladder by Bailey, I was like, dang, Bailey's gonna win. Yep. But then, boom, get the handcuff, handcuff them together. It was a brilliant way to do it. Not probably the first time we'd ever seen something like that done. I think the only other thing that was kind of close to it was I don't know if y'all remember this match, but. Uh, like three years ago, I think it was the United States Championship or Intercontinental Triple Threat. It was Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and yeah. Sami Zayn. And I was yeah. that when uh no yeah, Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I know exactly what you talking about because he handcuffed the ladder to his ear. Yes. Okay. Cool. I was trying to make sure that was that match. <laughs> that was sick and disgusting, but that a great was. match that I need to go back and watch. I was scared. I was scared for his ear. I mean, y'all remember when Randy Orton was like dis- decimating Jeff Hardy's ear every week? Yes. <laughs> Weird times. He was putting the screwdriver in there and everything. I'm like, what the crap, man? So so weird man i miss randy orton all right let's go ahead and keep the show going with who we believe increased and decreased their stock ethan you can go first increase i'm going to say gunther and drew mcintyre um decrease honest but i'm gonna say Finn got you ethan i mean embryo you can go uh, even though EO stock has been going up, I'm going to choose her again for winning the Money in the Bank, bank briefcase. Um, I think it pushes her up even more. I was going to go Damian Priest, but he's kind of been billed as a big muscle house lately. You know what I mean? So I'm going EO built her stock. Stock dropped. I'm going to say probably. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Ronda. I think it was been dropping anyway. Then how she just got choked out, peeing. I think that's just her stock is going down. But I think it was not that high anyway. The second run hasn't been great. So I'm going Ronda. Well, with you someone saying that EO raised her stock, it's nice to see that you care about women. Um, my increased oh stock You know I had to say that at least one time before we got out of here. Uh, my increased stock is Shayna Baszler. I mean, for those of you who watch NXT, y'all know Shayna Baszler used to be the shit. And uh, when she first got on the main roster, it seemed like she had a lot of potential. And then WrestleMania came. She loses to Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch ends up relinquishing the title anyway because she's pregnant. Fast forward, I mean, it just seems like not much has really been going for her. So I'm very excited for her to not only get in the spotlight, but actually start to get some momentum behind her. And then my decrease stock is LA Knight fanboys. Personally, I think LA Knight is going to be fine after not winning Money in the Bank. I think he's still going to get a lot of opportunities, a lot of TV time. But like I said, people were pissed that he lost. So I don't, I know they're feeling some type of way, but I don't think that him losing messes up what was a pretty good show overall. But all right, let's talk the one booking decision we would have done differently for me. I wouldn't have had Damian Priest come out during the Finn versus Seth match. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to like show cracks within the Judgment Day, which is fine. But I think the match would have been better if it just would have played out and Seth would have won definitively as opposed to Damian Priest coming in and kind of making a jumbled ending. What about you, Embryo? Something I would have did differently. Um... I don't know. I don't want to do my my boy Seth like that, but he's been defending a lot. I would have had Finn win. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, I would have had Finn win because then he really would have had some cracks in the judgment day because now Finn could be asking, are you gonna, are you about to cash in on me? You know, so definitely I would have had Finn win. Seth would have been okay. 
Um, for me, what would I have done differently? I would have had Romney solo one the Civil War. Oh, really? Honestly, me too. Yeah. Nah, I, I like I like how it ended. Uh, they they deserved that win, but it's a question when you go from there. Nah, that's my thing. They definitely deserve it, but I think, in my opinion, if it would have been like, like if they would have let Roman Solo one, you could have stretched these you could have stretched these out a little bit longer, and then like you get to SummerSlam, and what if you have it to where they have a Civil War Part 2 and then they win and Solo turns on Roman and it becomes like the official end of the bloodline and like Roman's back to being by himself. I thought that would that would make a better like ending of the storyline in my opinion but I don't know what they're going to do with it. See, Ethan gets it because that was the reason why I picked Solo and Roman in the first place just because I think that they could extend it more because yeah, like from here where do you go? Like, the Usos well, can say, not only did they beat Roman Solo, but they pinned Roman. And so it's like, now, the Usos don't necessarily have to keep beefing with them, if not for any other reason, but to try to get Solo, like, to see the light and leave Roman alone. So, I don't know exactly where they go from here. Well, the, where they're going to go is going to be Jay versus Roman, which I would love for Jay to win, but it's not going to happen. But... I think the next thing is Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam. Of course, Roman somehow is going to pull out the win. Maybe with Solo, where he beats him, just beats him. And um, now, where you go after SummerSlam? Now, that's a good question. Do you go Jimmy versus Roman? Like that's the Usos trying to take the belt off of Roman. But I definitely know SummerSlam is going to be Jay versus Roman. It's, it, it could be nothing else they can go towards at that moment. Now, at some point, when do you start booking singles matches between the Usos and Solo? Because we haven't seen those yet. That's a good point. And you could probably do that um, through SummerSlam or on the way to SummerSlam. Maybe Jimmy versus Solo. Because I know they're going to be building Jay versus Roman. But like you said, you got to find something for Solo and Jimmy. So, I mean, maybe they can have a match on the card. Or maybe, like I said, they could probably build it up like the night before SummerSlam. On Friday night, they can do Jimmy versus Solo to kick it off. They could do something like that, which I would think Solo would win. And um, then Roman wins in SummerSlam, which now they back on top. And basically it's kind of like it's a tied. They're tied. And maybe they can do one more Civil War match. Bloodline, I mean, not Bloodline. War Games? When is War Games? After SummerSlam? War Games is in November, around the time of Survivor Series. I mean... If you stretch it to war games, you already have four people. You have the Usos and Sammy and KO. Now, who are you going to put on Roman's side? That's the question. Alpha and Seeker. Like five each? I it's told like you. Five each. and Seeker. I know oh. they're like 70-something, but they could do it. Maybe throw a Kishi in there for the Raven. fifth member. Raven. Raven. Stop. <laughs> now, look, but it also depends on who KO and Sammy are feuding with at the time. Maybe whoever tag team their feud with can hop in with Roman on his side. And then, boom, you have a big War Games match. But you have to stretch it long enough. I don't know how you stretch it that long. Even if it's lost, lost, how you stretch it that long. Or you can just stretch it out. Because the Survivor Series is before War Games. You can stretch it out to Survivor Series. 
and that be the Survivor Series match, like the, the match. No. Bloodline, Civil War. Well, you know what? You, you're right. If you do the Usos, KO and Sammy, and throw Cody in there, that gets Cody back in the picture to finish the story with Roman. Maybe he pins Roman in the War Games in that full Survivor Series match, like you said. And boom, that's that's how you do that. That's how you get Cody back in the picture. Now, my question is, though, last year, if y'all remember, they did War Games as Survivor Series or Survivor right. Series yep, War Games. Right. And so how it, I guess it depends how they are going to do it this year. Cause I think they should do it like they did last year, in my personal opinion. I mean, I love me a good War Games match. I will not complain. But it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But all that being said, yeah, I agree with you, Ethan. That was a big reason why I thought Roman and Solo was going to win, just because I have no clue how they're going to book it. And usually me and Embryo have our booking hats on, but I can't seem to find yeah. mine when it comes to this. <laughs> hey, that's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, sometimes. I feel like, you know, I, I see where y'all was coming from, but it was a special moment seeing Roman get pinned, and I was happy that Jay was the one to do it because it really started with Jay. Him manipulating Jay and torture him all these years with three plus, you know. So I, I like how it happened. Oh, that's so sentimental. I bet you was crying when it happened too. No, no. He wanted he wanted to manipulate me for three years. Yeah, you got that right. Well, somebody has been. All right, let's go to the biggest WTF moment, Ethan. For you, you what, what was with? that moment? <laughs> He sees what I do with him. Biggest WTF moment. Uh, again, probably Jay Penn and Roman, in my opinion. Embryo? Uh, I was going to pick that because I picked it earlier. I was going to say Drew McIntyre coming back because I knew he was injured. And I thought maybe Randy was going to come out. But seeing Drew back, I always liked Drew. I kind of hope he wins it. I don't know if he is, but uh, I'm going to choose Drew just because I chose Roman on another thing. Uh, my biggest WTF moment, uh, Embryo, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but it was the Spanish fly that Ricochet gave Logan Paul to shout out to Logan Paul for tucking his head because had he not, his neck would have been broken. Like, that whole spot was messed up from – Shinsuke pushing down the ladder. Well, Shinsuke or LA Knight, whichever one. And then, like, they didn't go over, and they got stuck in the ropes. So they had to try to do something else. Like, that looked... Mm, that was rough. Ricochet was like, hey, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah, that's another thing that happened on Raw. Um, They showed, like, a vignette of apparently Ricochet and Logan Paul got into it backstage at Money in the Bank. And so next week they're supposed to have a face-off, which low-key, that feud is going to be great because that match is going to be great. Yeah, it will. It will. But all right, let's talk show grades. You, I'm sorry, what did you say, Embryo? They've been doing this since Royal Rumble, really. Yeah, and it's been very entertaining. And I think... This is the first, Money in the Bank was the first time since Rumble that they've been in the ring together. Well, in a match, I mean. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's talk show grades. Ethan, you gave it a B, B minus. I gave it a solid B plus. What about you, Embryo? I'm going to give it an A. Uh, I really didn't see a bad match on the card. But, I mean, besides probably the women's tag team match, but I like what they did with Shadow Baszler, so I'm going to let it get a pass. Uh, so I'm going to give it an A. 
All right, so let's kind of look Sorry. ahead to SummerSlam. Obviously, no matches have been confirmed, but I think there's a few we have an idea on, whether it be Gunther and uh, Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship. I think that's something we can all agree we're all excited about because I'm very excited yes. for it. Yes, I'm very excited for it. I hope my boy Drew wins. He deserves it. He hasn't been a champion in a long time. Before I get my uh, my thoughts, so you didn't, you're not saying that the Cody and Dom match was kind of kind of mid. It was mid as hell. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, it was mid, but I didn't go in expecting it to be great to begin with. It was just it, it was what I expected. Uh, him running, Rhea getting in the way, him trying to get an easy win by roll ups and stuff. It was exactly it was exactly what I expected. Now I thought. That was going to be a way for Brock to come back and cause Cody to match. Because I thought it was going to be funny. Like, bruh, Dom just peeing Cody. What the crap? But that didn't happen. So I thought it was going to bring Brock back for that match. But they didn't. We but, were about uh, yeah, 48 hours early. He came back 48 yeah, hours yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was 48 hours early. Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely was mid. But I didn't go in expecting him to be like a... Um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I didn't expect it to be great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Drew Gunther matchup. Um, since I've gotten back into watching WWE, Gunther is probably my favorite wrestler besides Roman right now. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it, and I think, and I think Drew is one of the better performers in the ring. So I think it's gonna be a great match. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's gonna be a painful match, match too. Yeah, did you watch that WrestleMania match either? Uh, with him, yeah. and, uh, that, that was the that match was wild. That was my favorite match on the whole card. Yeah, it was. It was mine too. It was a banger. It was a very painful banger. Um, other it matches. Was a painful is, banger. Another uh, match that looks like it's gonna be set up. We already talked about Roman versus Jay, but probably the match I'm most looking forward to because they better make it official is a triple threat. For the WWE Women's Championship between Oscar, Charlotte, and Bianca Belair. So, uh, real quick question because I didn't get a chance to watch their Friday Night SmackDown. What happened in their match? So, Embryo, I couldn't watch it either. But from the clips I saw on the Twitter. Oh, oh, no, no, you're good. I know what happened. So, in between the match, Bianca was sitting in front row, and I think Asuka was taunting her. And then Bianca went to confront Asuka, and then Charlotte put her hand in her face, and Bianca was like, man, screw both of y'all hoes. And so then she beat up both of them. I think she gave both of them a KOD on the announcer's table. (laughs) It, like, stood over both of them. That is going to be a great match, and like right now, if you had to ask me who I think is going to win, I don't even know. I don't know at all. I don't know either. So it's going to be a great match. Now that I'm excited for it, but I'm at to see the next couple of weeks to choose who I think is going to win that. I mean, I'm not even thinking as far as head about who I think is going to win. I'm just I don't know who I want to root for because y'all know I love me some Bianca Belair. Everybody knows I yeah. think Charlotte is the goat, and I really like Oscar. So I don't know. Yeah, you like my, um, you like you like my main. Which one? You got like sixty of them. We we went through this. My main was Oscar. Remember, because you said she didn't have a man. Mm-hmm. She just has very scary face paint and can knock you out with one kick. That's why you got to cover yourself. You got to take classes. You got to. Yeah, yourself. that's not gonna help. <laughs> it, it does actually help. But yeah, I'm excited for that match. Okay. All right. Any yeah, other matches? Gonna... 
I'm sorry, what'd you say, Ethan? Or whoever that was speaking? I was gonna say, I was gonna say, yeah, I think it's gonna be cool. Uh, my vote in interest is always gonna be Bianca because I think Charlotte's great. I think Oscar's great, but you know, Bianca just has to be effective for me. So I'm gonna always go to Team Bianca. Now, I right. wonder if they're gonna turn her heel. Cause like they've kind of been playing the seeds for it, even though it's like, if she turned heel, everyone would get it because Adam Pierce is kind of screwing her out of my her rematch. Either way, I'm very Thanks. excited. All right, any other matches y'all think gonna be on the SummerSlam card? I'd probably say Ricochet and um, what's okay? Yeah, Cody oh. and Brock. All right, what do you think the stipulation is gonna be? Cause y'all know it's not just gonna be a regular one on one match. Uh, it's probably gonna be. Uh, go ahead, Ethan. I was gonna say either like a street fight or like a last man standing match. Ooh, I can see last man standing match, especially after Raw. What do you think, Embryo? I was going exactly what he was doing. I was gonna say no holes bar match, uh, or it definitely could be a last man standing. But I think last time Brock was at SummerSlam, he did last man standing with Roman. So it'd be interesting if he did another last man on this one. He bringing out a tractor. I don't think he's going to bring out a tractor. Then I don't time. want it. Because <laughs> low-key people got mad. Because I would have been mad if I was on that side where he lift up the ring. You can't see. You know what? I forgot all about that. Yeah, from that perspective, that sucks. But that made it by far their best match. It did. No, def that was their best match probably since their first match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, I think this match was better. Because what they first match at Mania is the yeah, one yeah. that Seth came in, right? Yep, if I'm correct, that's the one he cashed in. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, I agree this was the bad one. All right, last question. Who do you think Rhea faces at SummerSlam? They've been doing horrible building up views for her. They keep her with Dominic all the time, which I like. But Well, on Raw, they um, kind, a couple weeks ago, they kind of planted the seeds of like her and Raquel going at it. And then um, Raquel and Liv helped. Natalia after their match and she was saying if they get in her business again it's gonna be an issue so if I had to bet I'd maybe say Raquel which would be a banger of a match that I would like to see but it depends if they have a tag match coming up too yeah but so they have a tag match but they can always do the tag match like on Raw or something so um they haven't built up anybody really to fight her so it might have to be Raquel honestly because I'm trying to think of everybody on Raw, like, unless you pick, well, what, Bailey? Bailey's on SmackDown. Dang it, my bad. Wow, uh, there you go, not caring about who's women. Who's all again. on Raw? Like, who's all on Raw? Again, you look at you not caring about women. Uh, Becky Lynch is there, but I don't think they're going to do that match yet. We got Raquel, no, we got Trish. Liv, we got Shayna, we got Ratface Rousey, uh, Chelsea Green, Sonya Deville, Indy Hartwell, Candice LeRae, I guess technically Dana Brooke. Um, I mean, who knows where she's working? So yeah, that should, should build up Candice. That should build up Candice LeRae. I like to see that match. I but love Candice LeRae. It's probably gonna be Raquel, but if they put some time in, they could definitely build up uh Candice LeRae. And uh, yeah, you go ahead. I was gonna say, being honest, I think he's gonna end up being Italian because if Raquel, no, I know it's a no, but if Raquel's in the tag team match. They're, gonna, they're definitely going to have that. And I think if she's going to be easy, are they going to have enough time to build that matchup because they're going to have to lose the titles and then get into a few arena and they only have five weeks. I think they just might rent 
copy and paste against Natalia and like they actually treated as like a legit title match and make it like become a good match. I mean, the one they had on Raw was really good. And so that's why I think that one's kind of current. The only the way I could see them doing it is Rhea interrupts Raquel and Liv during a match, maybe a championship match against Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. And so Raquel is pissed off and like, nah, I'm finna take your title now since you made me lose mine. That's the only way I can see them kind of doing it. But just not Natalia. No disrespect to Natalia, but somebody, not her. Uh, that's why I said, like, if you're to do a quick build, and I, it could be anybody, but I would say Candice LeRae, just build her up, make her do like a, uh, what do they call it, a um, contenders match. Maybe a contenders. Um, I'll take a gauntlet match. A, a contenders, yeah, a gauntlet match, and she wins. That's a quick way to build her up. Now you have four, three weeks to go ahead and build that storyline up. That gives you enough time, and they'll have a great match. So I, I just don't want to see Natalia again. She got whooped in, um, well, I forgot what pay view that was. She got whooped bad real quick. Then she Not lost a champion. Like she, she didn't, thank you. She didn't did it twice. She didn't lost twice. It's time for somebody else. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please should check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Pre-subsoles are our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Gentlemen, is there anything y'all would like to say before we get out of here? Uh, just want to thank everybody for listening and everybody be safe. And I'll see y'all next time. Mm, boring. Um, what I'm, what I have to say, Finn Balor is the worst heel ever. He sucks as a heel. What? Yeah. <laughs> Finn Balor? Yes. You talking about Finn like Balor from Iowa, Finn, Finn Balor? Yeah, dude is trash as a heel. Oh. better as a heel. I hate him as a face. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, okay. I have to ask why. What makes Finn a bad wow. heel to you? I want to hear this. Like, it's just everything. I don't know. It's just, um, a lot of it probably is just the way that he looks. Like, I don't, when I look at him and he tries to do like the snarl and the like, I'm pissed off face, I'm like, bro, I never buy it. It's like, it's like, bro, you're not, like, I wouldn't look at you and be like, oh, you're a guy that I'm supposed to take as a bad guy. I'm, I would look at you as a guy like, oh, you're just trying to play tough for the camera. That's probably, that's a big part of it. It's like, I just don't buy him as like a guy that's supposed to be someone that's bad. That's crazy. Like, I'll say this. Probably the best heel work I saw from Finn Balor was back on NXT. But even him heel now, or at least like the second time he went back, but like heel Finn now has been cool. I mean, he's not the best heel in the group. That's obviously Rhea Ripley. But Finn's been cool to me as a heel. He's just just there. Uh, I like him in it. Like she said, the biggest hill work real. The most hated is Dom Priest. Priest just fits it. I don't know where he's the best at. I, I don't want to say he's the most talented because all of my talented in the ring. Eh, like Dom, three out talented. of four. 
No, I just think no, that's what that's, that's, that's why I made sure I threw that in there. But uh, he still has time to work. Um, but Finn, I don't know. Finn just fits. Like, he was a better fit than Edge to me. I think he's asking the other way around. I don't know. I, 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 like <laughs> Edge was like he was the leader, but like Finn, it's like all of them can do what they want. It's like if you told me who was the real leader in that group, I really wouldn't know. Now, I I think I'll agree with you, Ethan, on that point about Edge. Because face Edge is cool, but everybody knows Edge is better when he's a heel. And so when they brought up the Judgment Day and it was his creation and it was about to get all dark and twisted, I was so excited for it. And then it just went away. I would have loved to see them develop more with Edge as the leader just for a little bit longer but i mean i still like finn in it but i think edge would have been i think edge would have put it over the top just because between the two i think he's a much better heel yeah yeah he's a better heel but i don't know i just like i just like the fit with finn at first the, the, the turn on edge was shocking yes then um it was it actually made sense too why they did it like it was no weird like it made sense but uh I don't know. I, I like Finn in it. I get where he's coming from, and like what you say, Raven Edge is definitely a better heel than Finn. But I think Finn fits in still perfectly to me. Like he, he, he. When I see him with the group, I don't think he doesn't belong there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking and of Edge, he he's gonna face, be on SmackDown face, be this week. Do you know that? Edge gonna be on SmackDown this week. Yeah, he's gonna be on the Grayson Waller effect, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Do you think that's going to lead to a match, or is he just going to have a, like, spear the kid and go on about his business? Uh, he might. I, I don't know unless they're going to have a match. Because uh, I know Randy is supposed to be coming back. You think well, Randy is on Raw, but he's freaking Randy Orton. He can go wherever he wants. I don't think he got drafted anywhere. Did he not? I don't think so. No, because I, I think he was going to the injury, so he never wants to get drafted. So he, he could show up to Edge. That would be so dope. They are in Madison Square Garden, and they always try to go out for Madison Square Garden. So, who knows? But all right, I don't. What'd you say? No, no, I was agreeing. Well, Embryo, you sure you you want to? You got anything else controversial you want to say before we get out of here? I mean, Ethan. Yeah, that was real. That was real. Ethan raised the bar, and you just said, "Oh, thank y'all for listening. See you next time." You got anything you want to get off your chest? I was being the nice guy. I was being the nice guy. He just flipped the whole table over. I don't know if I have anything like that. That was very. I, I can't beat that. You don't have to beat it, but you, you got, got anything? Some, you got some controversial. You always got some controversial. I do always have something controversial to say, but at this present moment, I don't. He shocked me with what he says. So I like. I'm still like stuck on it. This isn't. This isn't. I, well, it's controversial. I think that Charlotte's gonna win the title at SummerSlam. If you put a gun to my head and made me pick right now, I think. Honestly, I think no. she makes the most sense to win. No, no. I know. It's not a... A lot of people aren't going to like that, but I genuinely think she's the best choice. Hell, she's the best choice. Okay. How much time y'all got? Anyway, but no, seriously... Being honest, before you go down the rabbit hole, I would say this. I think Charlotte is the best choice. I don't know if it will happen, but in my personal opinion, I would rather see... 
did though saying a match versus Bianca and Rhea versus anybody else's on Raw. I don't know how it would happen, but that's what I would rather see. I agree. So, I agree with that. Ethan, I don't think you know the hurt in my heart when Rhea picked Charlotte after she won the Royal Rumble. I was so pissed off. I wanted her to pick Bianca so bad. It led to an amazing match, but I was still salty about it. But, okay, the reason I think that Charlotte is the best pick is because it creates more diversity in the within the future uh, booking. Because we've seen Bianca versus Asuka many a time. Good matches, but we've seen it before. We have not seen a one-on-one championship match between Charlotte and Bianca. I don't think we've seen a one-on-one match with them within the last, like, two years. It's been a very long time. And if you look at Bianca Belair, she's already knocked off three of the four horsewomen. Charlotte is the last one she has to conquer and the last big star that she has to take down. And I think that could lead to a really dope feud. And then, who knows, you could go ahead and sprinkle in EO Sky into the equation for her cashing in Money in the Bank. Whether it be against Asuka, which would be dope. We know against Bianca, be cool but people would be pissed off if she won the title and then lost it right after that whereas if charlotte was to win it people would already be mad about her losing it she goes through a grueling match eo comes in cashes in boom i just think there's so many different avenues you can go with charlotte winning that you can't do with bianca and oscar that's to try to cash in on Rhea, I think it would be stupid. Yeah, I don't think she'd win. Like, yeah, I think, like, the way that Rhea is being set up and built up, like, if you throw EO after EO, um, Rhea's just gonna squash her, regardless. I don't know if it'd be yeah. a squash, I but I think she'd win. I think it'd be a good match, and I think Rhea win. I think... Okay, so y'all make great points. Uh, I say Oscar will win only because I feel like that's the goal to get her versus EO in a championship match. But they don't really have I to mean, do that no I more since EO always... has money in the bank. You said what? But they don't really have to do that no more because EO has money in the bank. So they don't have I to mean, set I, up a traditional I, match anymore. I wish they did, but they don't have to. I agree, but you know, even like if EO catches in and beat Oscar, that'll lead to the traditional match for the rematch. You can easily do Charlotte and Bianca a feud without the belt. It doesn't have to be a belt involved for them two to have a feud. And I was going to get to where y'all was saying with Rhea, because I do want to see Bianca versus Rhea. Maybe you can get Bianca to win the um, win the Royal Rumble again. It wouldn't be as shocking for her to win it again, and then she can choose Rhea. But I, was, I do want to see a few with Charlotte and Bianca. I do want to see that. But it doesn't have to be a belt involved, just like what they've been doing with Becky. I love that Becky is not going after a belt right now. She's just having a good feud with Trish. So you, you can do feuds like that without a belt. If Oscar, because you can always do like Charlotte and Bianca, maybe they both have Oscar beat, but they both stop each other. Kind of with the Gunther match with uh, Sheamus and Drew. Sheamus had to win. Drew had a win, but they both stopped each other from winning. It can go that way with that triple threat with Oscar, and she ends up winning. And like you said, baby, EO cashes in then. Then EO becomes champion right after that match. And now you got it for the next pay-per-view, whatever that is. EO versus Oscar for the belt. And now you have a straightforward one-on-one match 
Charlotte versus Bianca. I would love to see two of them matches on the same card. I don't think they're doing Charlotte versus Bianca like one on one to like Rumble or WrestleMania. But I mean, they can have a few that stretches that far. That's what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, but I'm they saying I don't think they a, have a good few that match till then. I, 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 I think they should just feud it out a little longer. Maybe the first match, Charlotte wins. She gets to talk crap to Bianca. Then Bianca gets a win. Then boom, the third match, Bianca finally comes out on top. The only reason why I would lean towards it being towards the championship, because I don't know if y'all watched the promo that uh, yeah. Bianca cut on Charlotte, but essentially Charlotte was like, I'm a 15-time world champion, and Bianca was like, it didn't take me 15 times to be the longest reigning Raw Women's Championship. So they could book it as yeah. who's the better champion, who's the better woman for the championship, and they could do it like that. I agree, but sometimes I just want to see Charlotte without going for it. I mean, she's the queen, I get that. But if Bianca was a champion for so long, which it was nothing wrong with that, but I was... I wanted to see them feud without the belt for a while. It gives other people chances with the belt. Not saying Oscar has never had a belt. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't know. I, I feel like it would be more interesting to me if they feuded without the belt. Because if you got a belt involved, you kind of try to pick who's winning that, you know. But when a one-on-one match, it's kind of different. Like, who's going to really win this match? Okay, they won the first one. Okay, how's this second one going to go? If it's just a one-on-one, I'm just trying to show that I'm better than you. Is no belt involved. So who do y'all think is better? Like, real talk, at this moment, who do you think is better between Bianca and Charlotte? That is a tough one. To, that's a tough question to ask. Um, if you go for a body of work, I'm still picking Charlotte. Um, but, oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Charlotte. I think Charlotte's still on the top of her game. I love Bianca. She's a great wrestler. But I think Charlotte is still on top right now. I'm picking Bianca. I really, I really don't like Charlotte. At this very moment, at 1 p.m. on, well, Central Time <laughs> on July 4th, I would say Bianca is better. Watch July 5th, bro. Watch July 5th. Yeah, I'm tomorrow I might Charlie. change my mind. But at this very moment, I will say Bianca because Charlotte's coming off a multi-month break. Yes, her last match was amazing, but Bianca's been here. She's consistently gotten better in the ranks. She's consistently gotten better on the mic. Yeah. So at this very uh, moment, I would say Bianca is better. But don't get it twisted. Charlotte is still the GOAT. Like, we comparing I, I bodies agree. of work. Charlotte, hands down. It, 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 yeah, that, see, I think that was like, and you did word it like the best now. You know, and I guess I could easily go towards Bianca because she just came off that long historic reign. But, like, and I'm, I know, well, we, we can't act like Charlotte just can't wake up and just put on a great banger. I know, oh, no, Charlotte's the go. But, uh, but, uh, but, like, I, I get I get the reason why y'all say Bianca. I was going full body of work, even though you said right now you didn't say body of work. So, if I had to say right now, I will say Bianca because she's been going at it. But like you said, if you did, you know, of course, body at work, Charlotte. See, that's what you get for not listening. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're okay. Right. Now, for real, anything, any other wrestling topics you want to talk about before we get out of here? Before I stop. Yeah, one last this. thing. Yes. One last thing that we can get out of here. And this is just my question for y'all. Mm-hmm. With the Sammy versus K, I mean, the Sammy and KO, do y'all think they're going to go against uh, Ciampa and um, why can I not? Johnny Gargano, I sure hope so. Y'all think it's gonna be that? Y'all think it's gonna be that at SummerSlam? Not at SummerSlam. 
Yeah, but I mean, Johnny Gargano got to like come back be, first. I like the And they got to build it up. I thought you Johnny Gargano was back because he was doing backstage segments. He hasn't. He didn't do one I this week. He was back. Yeah, but he's back. He's not injured. Yeah, he hasn't been back in the ring in a minute. Okay. Well, I, I, I would love to see that at SummerSlam. That would be, oh, that would be something. Yeah, I don't think I SummerSlam, know. but I think we're going to get that match. Okay. Ethan, you got anything hey, uh, else we'll wrestling related you want to? Um, just, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting just the way it's supposed to because, like, Cody and Brock, what is that going to turn into ultimately? Um, cause I think now yeah, you mentioned it, like, you talked about it, I think it was last night when you said, is it looking like one of them got in a big or raw? Yeah. Um, and like, if, I think personally, I think it would make sense for Cody to leave, cause then you can read, then Roman still the champ, you can read a circle and have that whole thing. I'm tired of seeing Brock and Roman, like, just play that. to be interesting for sure. Embryo, what was you going to say? Yeah, this is legit my last one. When was my boy Bobby coming back, y'all? I ain't gonna lie, I forgot about Bobby Lashley. Yeah, he been gone. He was dealing with, what's he dealing with, an injury? Well, I think he was just... I would assume an injury. It's been a minute since he's been back. He was on a house show. He was doing, I don't know if he's still, but he was on a house show. I forgot who he beat, so he's Clear the routes up now, so I wonder when he's going to be back on TV, and, and when he does come back, who's he going to feud with? Maybe SummerSlam is when he'll come back, or it could yeah, be this Friday gonna... since they'll be at Madison Square Garden. That's usually a big show. But who's going to feud with you? <laughs> I'm so tired of you right now. <laughs> what? You don't want to have a feud with Bobby Lashley? Maybe Bray comes back. Where is Bray? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about people just being gone? They say he's dealing with an illness, and that's it. They haven't said what else, and I just hope he's okay. Oh, look at you being so caring. Yeah, it's it's quite a few wrestlers who like have been gone for a minute, and it's crazy to think that John Cena came back before all of them. <laughs> hey, that was that was so random. They could have cut that a little short. I, I agree. It was a bit. It was a bit. But, but like I told you, it worked out perfectly because I had to go in my car and get ready for work. So that yeah. helped me out. But all right. Now for real. <laughs> we're really done. Thank you guys so yeah, much for really listening. Done. And we will see you all next time.